The first preseason game of the Phoenix Suns season is on Sunday, and on today's episode of Locked on Suns, we'll preview what we'll be watching for and break down the latest news in Sun- Suns land. Let's you are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Friday. Happy to have you. We're free and available everywhere, including YouTube. So just hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're finding the show. Get it in your feed Monday through Friday from here through the rest of the season. Become an everydayer and stay locked onto the Suns right along with me for the next, what, eight months we have as basketball is closer and closer. Joining us on Friday, as he does every week, is Aaron Edwards. And we are going to talk preseason. The uh, Monty revenge game is already here, Aaron, to start us off with everything. Um, I had a couple things that I'm looking for, but I think the best place to start might actually just be first to tell people that the show is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com, betting $5 and getting $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. But... The place that I wanted to start uh, besides that is who do you think is going to start in this first game? I'm assuming we know four of the names, but it can change. I'm not asking you to say like who's going to start the first (laughs) playoff game or something, but who do you think that they'll go with first in that fifth starter spot in the first preseason game? Um, You were there, but I think just for continuity, I think it's going to be a Kogi still. I think like Vogel seems like one of those dudes that, He'll figure out that the real fifth one later, it might not stay a Kogi, but having dudes that have played together before all but one is, or two, <laughs> like the deal yeah. thing is going to be new too. So I think just having three dudes on the floor that have played together before, is kind of just the smart thing to do. And you don't have to like do all that much teaching. So it's going to be a Kogi. I think it would be the right thing for now, at least. Sure. I, I like that. I think it makes sense to have that, that holdover, Obviously, he's one of the guys that it's not like it's out of this world that he could actually earn that spot, too. So you're not picking somebody just for the sake of familiarity. Um, And yeah, I think treating it as his his spot to lose might be the right approach. He's also a lot older than a lot of these other guys. I mean, at least in terms of experience in the NBA and everything else. Um, Yeah, I actually haven't talk to a Kogi. I, I had to step away from media day before he spoke. And then I wasn't at the training camp availability that he spoke at, I believe on Wednesday, but yeah, he's, he's a super confident and comfortable guy. It's just funny you say that though, because, uh, you would have thought that would have been the case in the playoffs last year <laughs> and he did not keep his starting spot. He so spoke about that maybe too, not. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he spoke about just Monty wanting to go with a uh, little more length, I think he said. I forget, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you can tell, like he's kind of still sore about it, but yeah, like he's fine either way, it seems, but he still ended up getting playing time in the playoffs a little bit. Are you with me that it probably is going to be a game where we just see everybody play like 20 minutes? That's kind of what my expectation is. It's just play it pretty slow. 
mix and match lineups, see what pops, see what doesn't pop, who plays well together, who who heats it up offensively, just very, very loose. Because they're also playing five preseason games, which not a lot of teams do. Yeah, I can see him trying a bunch of stuff out. Like, I don't think Akogi might start the second one. He might finally want to see um, what Yudo can, can do in this lineup. If he wants more shooting mm-hmm. out there, he probably wants to – uh like he's gonna check well he said no KD at center like i think he said like two days ago it wouldn't be a lot of KD at center but i think he's gonna try out he said yeah i mean he said it would be it would be unfair to ask him to do that for like 20 minutes a night you know he was speaking about that more in the context of taking things easy and how much are you gonna ask defensively of your stars and that type of thing i think we will see KD at the five yeah i think like the last four minutes of like a game must win game five or something. He's throwing Katie at the sure. five and he's just letting it fly. But yeah, like I can see him just, he has so much flexibility with the fifth spot. It can be Nasir. It can be, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bates. Yeah. Like it could be pretty much anybody depending on what he needs for that night. So yeah, I could see just even once he does figure out the lineup, I could still see that fifth spot being pretty like just a wild card. And it's going to be hard to game plan for because you have Bill book and Katie out there and you, kind of won't know who the fifth guy is going to be on any given night. One thing I think we will see pop right away that is, well, there's two other things I'm, I'm interested in. One I think we'll see right away is just how much not only the offense looks different with Nurkic operating more as a passer, but also I think we'll get a sense of just how much he's going to handle the ball. Like what are the actual sets that they're running and I think they will try to emphasize that because that that does need to be figured out by the first game of the regular season, just as far as what's the balance going to be of how often are we running set plays, who who's initiating those set plays, who's calling those set plays, all that stuff. That, that actually is like you kind of need to have a baseline established by the time the real games start, because you just don't want to be scrambling and losing because of that. So I think Nurkic is the number one person I'm looking at, because the other guys, we kind of know how it'll look. You know, it might, it might be interesting to see the mix of it, but how much do they incorporate Nurkic, I think is going to be pretty big. Yeah, and I think just, like you said, his ability to pass and like get the ball at the free throw line and make the right decision passing-wise, like, that's going to be new for us. That's going to be new for book. <laughs> like I think having mm-hmm. a big that can, who's an amazing screen setter and get a willing passer that is very comfortable. Like he's, he said it, he's comfortable passing. He, I saw a highlight reel of like passes that he makes that he's really confident making. Like, I think that's going to be a really big part of this offense because he is going to have space. You can't leave these shooters. Like he is going to be able to take advantage of switches if he gets one and you can't leave, you can't leave your guy on a team like this. Yeah. So I think like just that type of offense that we'll be able to run is going to be pretty big for him. The other thing uh, I'll just mention is, and you can tell me if there's anything we haven't hit that in this particular game you're you're intrigued by. Maybe it's a player, maybe it's something else. But for me, it's going to just be how like how aggressive are they right away defensively? You know, if if they're really like flying around and sending a bunch of attention and help at the paint or defending screens you know he talked about earlier this week trying to keep it just to two players defending the screen and and not necessarily having to send a bunch of initial help but just 
what does that all look like and how aggressively do they play? Because if they already feel pretty overwhelming and intense athletically, physically, whatever, from from this quick after one week together, that'll just tell me that he, Vogel, is really pushing that and that the players are absorbing it. But I also think there's a version of Sunday's game where it feels a little light, the Pistons put up a bunch of points, and it, it just is more of a feel-out game. Yeah, I can see him like just testing the like how extreme he wants to push the defensive stuff early. Like, cause you gotta see, like, you gotta see who's gonna need help throughout the season, who can handle like switches and or just getting picked on. Like, like Bill, he's gonna they're they're gonna test to see if he's the weak link pretty uh weak link pretty early. So I think like that's mm-hmm. probably why you wanna test the intensity of like the defense on the scene because like I don't think Dallas is like very good but i know that if they know that bill is the weak link Kyrie's gonna get him switched luca's gonna get him switched and you gotta know how you're gonna help based off of that if bill is gonna be the weak link that a lot of people think he's gonna be but i think just having vocal is gonna make him a better defender than he even thinks he can be (laughs) but we'll just have to see Mm -hmm. all right let's talk about the news of the day which is matt ishbia and now the team announcing an investment in a new office complex as well as a unique soul for the Mercury practice facility all nearby the downtown arena. We'll get into what that means, some of the details of it next. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network and America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Amazing deal. All you got to do is put some money in, you get some back. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, whether it's the NFL or the upcoming NBA season, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. But on the NBA side, there's win totals, there's awards, there's champion odds, all that good stuff. Those futures in the NBA side, the Cardinals three-point underdogs at home we talked about earlier in the week. Lots of good stuff. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's keep it rolling here, Aaron. Um, We've talked a lot about Ishbia and the things he's doing. I wasn't surprised to see the news today of the office complex the sort of like staff center that they're going to do which feels very like uh you know silicon valley startup type of thing um not in a bad way but you know it's just it's it's in vogue right now i i I looked at i saw like pickleball courts i'm like what percentage of the employees are about to use a pickleball court uh on their days of working we'll see um but i wasn't surprised to see that that's kind of in line with what he did at his mortgage company. Um, did you have any thoughts on on that side of things of taking the offices out of the arena, putting them in this new place, committing and, you know, devoting a lot of resources to kind of the employee side of things? Um, no, like that's just like the new wave of being like a, a businessman and owner. Like you kind of want your employees to have somewhere else to go and to work in that office. I think it's like that way going to the facility, to the stadium. It's like, more of a treat now like you have the office where you work work and when you go to the stadium that's game time kind of thing and i think like for him like that's he treats it all like sports so the business part and the business building is the practice part and getting to the stadium is gonna be game time for him like that's just how he did it at michigan probably practice 
facilities and then you get to the stadium and it's game time. And he tries to take everything that he does business wise and use it in like sports terms. So yeah, this makes sense that he's, he built a whole separate thing. I didn't think he'd do it this fast, honestly though. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we can pivot to the mercury thing, but in both cases, the practice facility and this employee center are both pre-existing buildings from what it sounds like. And so I, you know, to me, that's the real benefit of what he's taking advantage of here too, is just, you know, you hear about like the Sixers practice facility is across the river. It's in New Jersey and, you know, different things. And for the Suns to be able to take advantage of the fact that downtown Phoenix is slowly growing, but is still definitely not some sort of hyper-competitive real estate uh, situation. And then there are just a lot of open spaces and empty buildings and all this type of stuff to take over and and renovate and do it quickly is it's the smart thing to do. You know why the Arcadia thing is nice for the practice center because that's where the athletes live. But other than that, if you're just talking about where you want your like marketing assistant to like drive on their, you know, nine to five, like put it right by the arena and put it somewhere that there's already a, a place to do it. So I think that all makes sense. But on the Mercury side of things, um, like this is this is really cool and it's it's just funny how the story can kind of change because the practice facility that the Suns have on on Camelback is obviously it was talked about at the time as one of the the selling points or like the 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 big good aspects of it was that the Mercury were going to have a lot more space in their own space and get to have access and all this stuff and then Madishbia just sort of like threw that in the trash can and he's like no they deserve their entire own thing like forget you get to use our thing that's not even good enough it's going to be its own thing and honestly like i think that's actually more in line with what the wnba is doing because places like uh vegas and seattle have gone out of their way now both of those ownership groups don't own nba teams but mark davis does own the raiders and he went out of his way to say no you're not going to use the raiders facility you're going to use your own facility and I think yeah. that's just going to have to... It's not even a competitive advantage in the, in the W anymore. It's like competitive baseline if you want to be kind of one of the top franchises. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's weird that Diana Taurasi had to wait so long to get all of these, like, <laughs> like to be yeah, right. treated like a real professional and get all these professional things. And it took, like, obviously a new owner and all that. But that was, like, the biggest thing for me is, like, Toward the end of her career, she's finally getting all this stuff. <laughs> and that probably yeah. is the rougher part of it. Well, I guess she can kind of take solace, you know, not to get too, like, sentimental. But, like, it probably doesn't happen if she doesn't yeah. do what she did, you know? And, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure there's days where that's enough. I'm sure there's <laughs> days where it's not enough, you know? Yeah. And it still <laughs> kind of frustrates her. But, yeah, I'm going to be really interested in the in who what they go with the head coach because... Um, well, I guess to link it to the other WNBA news of the week, the Warriors are getting a team and the Suns coincidentally just hired somebody from their NBA front office to be the WNBA Mercury GM here, but it'll be interesting. I think we should expect something pretty out of the box from a head coaching standpoint, if not out of the box, then just they're going to get the top coaching candidate. Like they're going to pay whatever, and they are going to roll out the red carpet they're going to hire whatever the next Becky Hammond is. I think yeah. we should we should all be prepared for that. Oh, yeah. Like, Matt Ishbia, he's only shown now that he can only go big. So there's gonna not going to be some up-and-coming coach or something that 
people have been talking about at a D2 school. Like, there's going to be none of that shit. Like, Matt Ishbia is going to drop money for the best person that's out there right now. Do the employees and Mercury and anyone else who's getting an upgrade in their day-to-day from this have to thank the Spurs and the Thunder for taking on campaign and Dario Saric's salaries and those salary dump <laughs> trades? Is that is that where he found the money for this? Because I like as much as like he's not Steve Ballmer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like I see this and I'm like, great, what do I care? It's not my money. But at the end of the day, I'm like, what's going on with the account situation in here? Is he pulling like an Elon Musk with Twitter? Or is there some Saudi Arabian stuff going on <laughs> behind the scenes? Like, what is happening? I think like <laughs> I'm I'm not saying like I'm saying hypothetically if the ball drops because like we can get into the whole billionaire thing or not. But like, we can't, if we wanted to follow the money, I'm sure it might get a little weird. But I think he's just a dude that made a bunch and he finally wants to spend it. I think he wanted an NBA team for so long and he made that very obvious and he got blocked mm-hmm. a couple of times when he tried to get Milwaukee or whatever. Like, I think a dude that wanted the team so long, he knew he wanted to do all this stuff for whoever he, whoever finally let him get a team it just happened to be us i i think he was always going to do this like like this much stuff though yeah it's it's super interesting like my wife was i think it was somebody in my family was talking uh, he came up something about the sons came up and they were super surprised that he lived in michigan still you know (laughs) and i'm like well it's like a publicly traded company that he runs so it'd be kind of you know a red flag to his stakeholders if he just like moved from where the company is yeah, it was where, where it's headquartered, but it is also strange to not live where you own a team. Like, just everything about the situation is is very fascinating. I, I don't want to come across, because I know Suns fans are just like, who cares? It's spending money. It's way better yeah. than Sarver, no, and I, I fully agree, but it's just fun. interesting. Yeah, and I think, like, he, this scenario is different. Like, usually when you're buying a team, they are absolutely in a the dumps. They're, mm-hmm. they're trash. They're yeah, really bad. Like true. he got like, he ended up getting to a team that had the foundation already. They had the bones ready to go. Like everything was set up already. You have the star player. You have people wanting to come here already. It was just Sarver lost his team at probably the worst possible time for him. <laughs> and that yeah. was the when you best think about the arena, time. the practice yeah. facility, the finals appearance. Yikes. Yeah. I think like nobody loses a team during that time in like, during that time when they own one, this is usually supposed to be the best time for it. And I think that's the new part of this, an owner losing his team mm-hmm. when they're on the come up and Ishbia paid the dough like because it was mm-hmm. worth it. Like, and Sarver came out, like he came out big too. I think he would rather own a team, but yeah, owners exactly. don't really, yeah. Owners don't really lose their teams when their team is like hot. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. It's, it's different. You know, I thought like, the Nets were somewhat on the upswing, but even then, like a lot of what kept them on the upswing was Joe Sy. Like they were probably, if we really go back to when he bought the team, it was not exactly a, a thriving situation. And then yeah. the Rockets changed hands. But I, if I'm remembering right, that was after like the best years of yeah. Harden and Chris Paul that Tillman bought him from Leslie Alexander. So yeah, it, it is a unique situation. It's, it's very, uh, <laughs> intriguing we to saying, follow but obviously it's good we were saying some random names about people that are gonna buy this team <laughs> like, right. like a year ago so like, I think, uh, like Lorene 
Powell Jobs and Larry Ellison, yeah. and I think Elon Musk came out because it's just fun to throw his name out there for whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, Disney dude. Um, like we said. Some, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we said some random people. Yeah, this is a better outcome. Uh, shout out to Bill Simmons for knowing it all along. All right, let's close out with the Olympics. Let's talk about the latest news, which is that Joel Embiid has been added. The latest super team in the NBA actually is going to be playing in Paris next summer. And there is a Suns connection, which obviously is that Booker and Durant and potentially Bradley Beal are playing. Should they? What does it matter? How excited are we? Next, first. Today's show brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are my favorite new pair of shorts, and I truly mean that. I wear them all the time. I'm literally wearing them right now. I'm not going to stand up and show you. You just got to take my word for it. But they have stretch khaki shorts that fit slimmer through the thigh, like Lululemon, but a little better. No stiff, restricting cotton. Their cloud knit fabric looks like khaki, stretches the way you want it to. Again, giving you that slimmer fit, that slimmer look without having to sacrifice the mobility. But best of all for Arizonans, the cloud knit stuff also has the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric, meaning even in October when we're still for some reason in the upper 90s, low hundreds, you don't have to worry about moisture, smell, discomfort, any of that. You stay dry all day long. They got the extra layers. They got the extra fabric right there for you. But they also have a large line of other stuff. You can wear it golfing, on a date, evening out, in the pool, working out, at work, whatever. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. See everything they have going on. Try out a pair for yourself. Take home a free water bottle in your order when you use the code Locked on NBA at checkout. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or that promo code at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. That's their promise. All right, keeping it rolling. Let's close out, Aaron. Um, not a huge Suns connection. I think the thing that I'm curious about with the Olympics, though, after now, Embiid has decided against playing for Cameroon, which is his home country, Paris or France, which is uh, one of those things, uh, we'll say, and then the United States, which is where he's lived uh, for for most of his life. Um, it feels like this team's about to be unbeatable. I feel a little bad for Bam Adebayo, but the Embiid side of it, I had always wondered, like, how much will his announcement actually even matter? Because if he, stuff, if he struggles with his health or if he asks out and spends all next summer on the trade block and dealing with all that stuff... Does he even actually play? I think that's still an open question for me. And I kind of feel the same thing about Kevin Durant. So were you? let's just talk about him first. Were you surprised that he was so straightforward about he will be playing? And do you think that that is 100%? Or are there some things that might happen this season with him or with his health or whatever that might change that? Um, first, way to dodge the France politics thing. That was really good. And... Um, one no, of those I think things. That, yeah, I think um, with uh, you talking about KD or with Embiid. With well, with KD specifically. I mean, Embiid. If you have thoughts, cool. He's not a son, I mean, so I, yeah. you know, I'm, KD. Yeah, with so. Embiid, like him making a plan for next year after they get bounced in the second round, I just don't see him like playing in it. Honestly, like that's just not a yeah. thing that I can pay attention to. And like on the other end, yes, I see KD doing it because. He hoops all summer without stakes. I think hooping sure. all summer with stakes is something that he would love to do because the dude just loves playing basketball. And I think Booker loves playing basketball. That's why he's going. Like, 
I think the dudes that have already been 100% saying they're going to go because they love hooping during the summer and you don't want to do it at like planet fitness or something like with a bunch of players, like you'd rather do it playing against other countries for America. If you're going to hoop, like, I think that's just Mm -hmm. the best way to look at it. Like Katie loves hooping and winning a gold medal while you were going to do the one thing you were going to do all summer. Anyway, seems pretty dope. He's also one of those guys like, you know, talked about it a little bit when it, as it relates to his contract and if he's going to retire after this deal, how much longer is it going to be in Phoenix? It's all just guessing, but thinking through it, it's like, to me, whether it's Kareem or even a guy like Steve Nash or whoever you want to point to these players who have been able to extend their careers for a really long time, it's often because they play a style that what they're doing physically on the court isn't really related to them getting hurt, right? And I think yeah. you compare that with somebody like LeBron where, you know, the foot thing and if he continues to have stuff like that, he's just not really LeBron anymore. And if I don't know if, if he wants to play basketball where he's some kind of floor spacer or like center, <laughs> uh, you know, just setting screens out there and like, you know, trying to, take charges and stuff. So with Durant, I don't think he's going to have to adjust like that. I think it doesn't really matter what he's doing. It doesn't really matter how much he's playing. I think injuries are just going to happen because of how big he is. And because yeah, as you get older, it's going to happen. So I, I had kind of expected that he might just sort of pass the baton because he's been doing it for so long. But once he said it, I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Why not? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he obviously, you know, heaven forbid had a major injury or something, maybe, you know, there's no need if he's recovering to push it or, you know, whatever, which is obvious. But do you think he would still do it if they like lost in the finals or had some sort of heartbreaking end? same thing with Booker, we can pivot to him too. I wondered that, like, I guess book did that once already, but yeah, I don't know. It might be kind of hard to <laughs> get all the way there again and then just be like, you know, all right, let me just go play with all the people who like just beat me or, yeah. uh, we got into it throughout the course of a series and whatever. I don't know. It's admirable. He did it in 2021, but I, I was thinking like, especially with the Curry and Kerr angle and everything yeah. else. Like, I don't know if either one of them would love that if they lose in like seven games in the finals to go out there and, and just put on the team USA Jersey. Yeah. I think in that, like, like that type of scenario, it would be pushing it. I can see them still playing. So like, that was a brutal finals loss that book went through. Like they were up 2-0 and then sort of like rot, like fly mm-hmm. back with them. And like, yeah. I think that's like the, that I didn't get enough attention. He, yeah. I think if he can do that, I think he just likes basketball because honestly, I'm shocked. He didn't say out like he was out. And so, yeah, like I think if he's willing to do something that crazy and that brutal, I think he just really wants to hoop and win another gold medal. Do you think Bill is, I don't want to say this too bluntly. Like, is it good enough yeah. to make it? But like, do you think looking at who was on the roster the last Olympics, who was on the roster in FIBA, and some of the guys we already know are gonna probably do it this year, do you think Beal makes the final cut, or who who is he kind of like battling for that type of spot? That's hard because we're gonna have to see what Beal looks like on a good team. Like, I can maybe answer yeah. this in December. <laughs> But we're gonna have to see like what his de- like what his decision making is. If he can be a playmaker, if he can be off ball, like how comfortable he is being the third guy. 
in, in Olympic terms, being the fourth guy, the fifth guy, like we're going to have to see like how much of a team player he is. So we kind of won't know that until he's this going to be the best team he's ever played for in his life, probably. So we're going to have to see how he handles that. So 2021, Beal obviously uh, didn't play because he got COVID, I think. Um, Middleton, sort of a guard. I think Beal's above him. Lillard, TBD if he plays. I wouldn't be surprised if he did not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he should make it if he wants to do it, but we'll yeah. see. Levine, Beal's over him. <laughs> Drew, I'm not sure on. He's another one where it'll probably depend on health and how the Celtics season goes and whatever else. You have Book, you have Curry, who are they're just going to be on the team if they want to play. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think anyone from this World Cup team outside of Anthony Edwards is ahead of him. We'll see about Cade Cunningham. I don't really – it kind of depends on just, like, what the roster needs because Beal and him aren't really the same type of player. And we didn't need guards. We couldn't rebound. And I think that's probably, like, the bigger thing. Like, we couldn't mm-hmm. beat real actual bigs in FIBA, and we just got, like, brutalized inside. So I think that, like, the guard thing is always going to be fine. Like, regardless, like, Beal is going to be a stretch. But I think the bigs is always going to be the issue for us. Yeah, I think you're, the point you made about how he plays this year is, is the right one because – if you're talking about a version of Beal who is not just like a worse version of Anthony Edwards, then maybe, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, uh, you know, I think we all expect Ant to take a big leap and he now has another year of experience on the, in the program that gives him a leg up. So if Beal can do some things as a playmaker more and be a better defender than we're expecting and sacrifice and, and do some of the little stuff and whatever, I could see it, you know, and I don't think Booker, I don't think Durant's sway in a situation like that is insignificant. Like if he wanted Beal to come on, I think that might go kind of a long way in deciding if it is sort of on the cusp of one or the other. If if Durant says, like, I think Brad should come, then maybe that's enough to get him to come. Yeah. But on the other side, if Bron wants if Bron wants Austin Reeves instead, <laughs> forgot about LeBron. I forgot he said he wanted to do it. That's a whole other yeah, can of we, worms. With we that. hit this real late, but if LeBron says something, it's probably going to happen. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that roster is going to be who's friends with who and who's got pull. And then what comes out of it? Because if you send all <laughs> those guys out there, like we've already seen uh, the Heat Big Three and any number of yeah. other combos get put together overseas and some late night you know cards and drinking sessions we'll see what happens this time yeah book he's gonna have to start thinking about stuff like that again soon (laughs) like kd's gonna be old uh Mm -hmm. beal is older like i think like some of that stuff like he's gonna have to start getting in that recruiting mindset again thinking about the next level because book's still young like it's insane how young he is and he's still got so much time to go so yeah, like he's going to have to go to at least another Olympics after this one if he wants to keep his career going. Yeah, we will see. Uh, I just think it's actually too much talent now. That's my take. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm less excited to watch the games after all this than I was. There's no drama. If If any game is within 10 points in the final five minutes, it's a failure. I don't even care if they win. Yeah, USA has never been cool about being embarrassed, and they got embarrassed last month. So <laughs> I think that's what it was, is if you embarrass them, then they're going to bring out the big guns. And that was 
very obviously going to happen once we lost that uh, those two games. I just want to see the or hear, I guess, the response or comment that you know, like, what is what is LeBron saying to Reeves right now about that? You know, or like, you know, what what's what's Book going to have to say to to Mikhail or Cam? Like, we have to clean your mess up, basically, is, is what's happening here. Like, come on, you know, you, that was you, cute. You, you that was cute, it. guys. But it's time. It's our time now. Basically, all right. That'll wrap us up. Basketball, real NBA games, real Suns games will have happened by the next time we talk. So hit follow, hit subscribe, get my recap of preseason game number one on Sunday night, Monday morning, and much more every single day throughout the rest of the season. I will talk to you guys next week.